From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And Miles isn't here. And I'm Eric. <laughs> Yeah, uh, joining me right at home there. Right, uh, joining me in lieu of uh, Miles this week is Eric. He's joining me over uh, Google Hangouts, so the audio is going to be a little, a little on the weird side this week. But I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. I think we should be fine. Yeah, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, go uh, Google. Have Have you joined us on Homebrew Bound before? I think you have. I think I talked about barrel aging with you guys. Okay, uh, why don't you just, uh, for, since it's been a while, why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of rundown of your brewing experience? And uh, Well, are. I am a, my name is Eric Wood, and uh, I used to live in River Falls uh, with Miles and Casey, but uh, partnership has brought me over to the uh, greater side of the river in Minnesota here uh, with my fiance, Jana, and um, anyways... I am, I guess, Miles' longtime brewing partner of, I don't know, God, it's been before Jana, so probably 10 years of brewing. Wow. Uh, started, yeah, I mean, not consistent brewing, but 10 years of brewing, nonetheless. Um, and man, uh, we've, we've done it all. We've done <laughs> the extract <laughs> DME batches on the stove where they scorch the pot. We've done all grain we've barrel aged we do sours we actually have a pipeline of sours in our basement um and now casey and i and miles are getting into uh big 10 gallon batches in which we do fun things with so um that's a really light back but yeah yeah uh that last batch we did i think we talked about it a bit on the show uh we were working on cloning light speed because toppling goliath did some shit that we weren't too super happy with uh, bunch of d-bags really but they're really <laughs> ramping up production so hats off to them yeah uh <laughs> well and i mean if they can bring the recipes back to where mike had them at least in the same ballpark then i think they'll do okay but that yeah. sue that we had that day was just absolutely atrocious i think we dumped half the bottle yeah it's been bad it's been bad since uh um mike left so but yeah we we made a batch what was it Three weeks ago, I haven't uh, had the opportunity. To it was it. about a month ago that we that we brewed it and we we kegged it uh, last last weekend. No, the weekend before, so two weeks ago. Yep, and I've only time. been able to kind of sniff it, and it smelled really good. So you've had a chance to taste your version. Oh man, the, we I I had that gallon and a half, two gallons in the keg. In that keg, I think there's maybe a glass left. We I I oh tapped it God. on uh, on Tuesday night and I haven't had any since that night. Uh, we were just next we were... Thursday is thirty one days of no beers. So, oh wow! Uh, I plan on cracking one in after. Well, that. it's my birthday that weekend. If you want to come down, <laughs> maybe why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, Otherwise, beer-related stuff, I haven't done a whole lot this week. Uh, I did get a chance to go to a uh, craft spirits thing put on by the uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal. It was the business of craft spirits. Uh, they had Bob McManus from Eleven Wells, uh, Kara Fields from Brooks Grains, uh, Chris Montana from Du Nord, uh, Michael Swanson from Far North, and Joel uh, Vicray from Vicray Distillery. It was, I mean, it was a decent... I didn't tell you I've heard one of them. <laughs> what? 
I've only heard of the Dunords guy. Yeah. Uh, filling taking off. So. Yeah. Well, cool. uh, besides, I think uh, Vicray and Dunord have been open the longest, and they're both at about like I think Vicray is or Vicar is at like two years, maybe two or three years, and Dunord okay. is at eighteen months. The other ones are right around a year. Wow. So it's start, it's starting to pick up. And yeah, I mean that, that that's, awesome? it was it was a lot of fun. Uh that and that's what they were focusing on is uh you know how uh craft spirits are trying to take advantage of the momentum that craft beer has generated. Because I mean it's generated a lot of momentum if you think about it, especially in that uh that local like you think oh, people yeah. want stuff local. It's nauseating. That hipster market. <laughs> Truly nauseating right now to be into the, the beer scene. Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah, and I mean there's a huge amount of overlap between the beer and the spirits. It's it's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous. I mean, because I mean once you have you know some craft beer, you're like, okay, well why doesn't this extend into my booze? Oh wait, it does. It's just gonna cost me an arm and a leg more. Win win. <laughs> right. Win win for maybe. I mean there is there's there is a win win for the company. Um yeah, I've noticed there's this significant price hike in um some of the local distillery offerings. Not that I'm not willing to pay them. Yeah. But uh forty five, fifty dollars for a bottle of bourbon from New Richmond. I can get a bottle of Buffalo Trace for twenty two bucks. Yeah, but that forty fifth is pretty good stuff. Oh, I'm not no discredit to it. I'm just saying I can. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, and but a lot of those uh, quote unquote craft distilleries, uh, like you know, I th- I don't know if Buffalo Trace is one, but a lot of them are. It's all booze from the same uh, distillery, and it's just repackaged and branded by other people. Wow, yeah. did not know that. Yeah, we. I learned. I learned but it's that. Uh, like um, contract distillering. Yeah, except it's not even order? it's not even that. <laughs> they they mass produce the the bourbons and stuff and they just sell off the barrels. So it's not even contract, it's ah. literally the same bourbon repackaged and sold. Which I don't know how I feel about that. I don't like it at all. And uh because yeah, I don't think it's And so good. like the the federal law is the only thing you need to call yourself a distillery is a still on premises. You never actually have to use it at all. And yeah, so, I, 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 when I took the 45th parallel tour, they, they shared with me that, uh, with the whole tour group, that they are one of the old, the smallest distilleries in America that actually uses their still. Mm-hmm. And they are talking about all the different like big distilleries that are like Smirnoff and Jack Daniels and how they basically just add alcohol product to flavoring agents to make it taste like. Yeah, like, it's it's not it's not the real corn mash. The sour mash. It's not really barrel aged for four years to be yeah. burned. Well, I think I think it was uh, Paul Werney from Forty Fifth when he was on the show. He really, uh, you know, that was one of the more surprising things that came out of that interview, and we were all uh, just kind of taken aback because I mean we've all you know spent the money on what we thought were you know good bourbons, and it turns out you know they come from. Oh yeah. So and that yeah, that was it's a pretty big eye opener. Yeah, uh, but right now uh, there's like twenty some craft distilleries in Minnesota right now, and there's uh, to their to their knowledge not a single one is doing that. They're all distilling on premises. 
That's fantastic. Oh, it's it's amazing. Uh, and rye is apparently that's- huge in Minnesota now. Like just rye rye alcohols. Like they're they're even doing like rye vodkas and it's insane. Wow, I I would have liked to be at that. That'd be cool. Yeah, the the rye vodka uh, had a very distinct vanilla note to it. It was really weird. Interesting. Yeah, that's rather bizarre. But yeah, so that was that was well, my weekend. Kind of the uh, flavoring. <laughs> right. <No. laughs> vanilla. Yeah. Uh, and then I then I went to Surly. I didn't really finally. do anything beer related. So, oh yeah, what do you think of Surly? Uh, that's a big ass facility. Holy cow, that is massive. And it's making ninety to ninety five percent of that is serious. Really? Wow. Really? Do you remember Timmy? Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Timmy. It. I think it's ninety percent furious, and then. I think they make uh, a great deal of hell still at Brooklyn Center, but yeah, um, yeah it's a production facility. It's not your yeah. It's still a destination brewery, though. Facility. Oh, it's beautiful! It's beautiful. It's absolutely, and that that parking and lot is huge, but it's still not big enough. No, it's not. <laughs> it's always packed. <laughs> But there's a lot of seating in that restaurant. Uh, I had their mild, which was pretty good. It was their, like, session brown ale. They called it a mild. Yeah, I've had mild. They're actually going to start canning that eventually. Okay. Which is very okay. I think it's good. It's, I think it's aged on toasted oak, if I recall Oh, correctly. really? Wow. I could be wrong. I don't know. It, it, it was good. That. I didn't – there wasn't a whole lot of people there to talk beer just because it's so busy. You can't, like – you can hardly – you can't even like get like a bartender or something. You can't bend their ear at all, which is yeah. fine. I had uh, I had some okay food. I lied to you. Time. It's not. Yeah, what'd you have for the food? Uh, we did. Uh, I had my. I went with my brother and we did like a basket of fries and then we did the one basket of fries that had like the pork and the cheese on it. I don't. Remember, they called it. Ah, uh, yes. I forget the name of it. But it was really. But yeah, good. I've had that. That's that's good stuff. It was really good, and I think the entire night cost me like twenty bucks. So it wasn't bad. bad. No, No, a couple of beers and some fries. Can't go wrong there. All right. Well, we have a listener mail this week because we do. Uh, And got a letter, right? So I'm going to read that now. Uh, This is from uh, Brendan, and. He says, I love the recipe creation series you guys are currently running, since that is what is most exciting about all-grain brewing, in my opinion. I agree 100% on that. Uh, Just wanted to Mm -hmm. give a little follow-up on the beer I made several months back, uh, a mint chocolate stout. I dry hopped with vodka-soaked mint leaves. I think it was around an ounce, and bottled it up. Uh, Yeah, I know, bottling sucks. Uh, The beer was quite terrible. Uh, Not enough mint character, poor head retention, way too chocolatey. Uh, but that was in the first month of conditioning. I recently found a couple of bottles of it, and wow, did they improve it with time. Uh, and the mint character even popped. Anyway, I guess patience is the lesson learned from that beer. Uh, yeah, I guess the reason I think your head retention is probably low on that one is the oil from the mint, is what I would guess. We, uh, I think so, partially. Uh, Miles and I, when we first started brewing, um, did a an annual Christmas beer of a peppermint porter every single year, and it's got stronger by the years. Um, and we used, I want to say, starting at two ounces of dried peppermint um, added to secondary. We didn't even soak it in vodka, never had an infection issue. 
Um, we boiled it at one point, which I don't recommend because it comes becomes extremely vegetal. Okay. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we basically dry hopped spearmint and peppermint. And uh, I'd say if you really want your mint to pop, like really pop, like an Andy's mint would be three ounces, depending on your grist, of course. Yeah. But yeah, head retention, uh, throwing half a pound of carapils that can help combat the, uh, the oils. Oh, can it? Uh, I, yeah. Very cool. It's, that's what. That's the only real reason I would ever use carapil. All right. Uh, all right. So the second part of this is now for my question, brewing with coffee. Uh, I was following a Founders Breakfast Stout clone recipe that I modified a little bit, and it called for throwing the ground coffee beans into the boil kettle along with some chocolate and cocoa nibs at flame out. I did this without even thinking, and man, was this a mess to transfer into the fermenter. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, my ball valve clogged up immediately, so I switched to an auto siphon, which needed to be pumped every so often, as it got jammed too. Not a great experience. Uh, it smells delicious, but I'd like to know what you guys would suggest to alleviate these issues in the future. Uh, and then he sent me the recipe from BYO. I'm not going to worry too much about throwing uh, a I looked at right it now. before the show. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then he did the other. The number one thing is, is use cheesecloth. Anytime you're using those big, messy, gooey adjuncts, I mean, chocolate's going to be a little different, but coffee, if you, especially if you're going to steep beans, um, uh, I would definitely recommend like a, a cheesecloth or that brewer's, uh, what do they call it? Brewer's, um, like a brewer's bag. Oh, like the nylon uh, yeah. bag? Yeah. yeah, and then that keeps all the the physical matter back and allows you know not all of the flavoring to get out but a good majority of it yeah um so i my my immediate thing here is why are you boiling the coffee um that was my first thought too yeah that uh when any anytime i do coffee in a beer at least i add it in secondary i i do it well not even secondary i do it as i'm bottling or uh kegging uh yeah i think there's there's myths to how you can add coffee along beer. I think the best way to get, like, you know, a true delicious coffee product is add it, A, like you said, in secondary or packaging, and add it in a cold-pressed form. Mm-hmm. Don't add just, just straight beans because those beans, especially if you're buying, like, um, grocery store beans, nothing against them, but they have so many oils to keep them fresh on them that they're going to, A, destroy your head retention, and, B, they can give you some off, uh, acetic kind of qualities. Yeah, that and takes away from the actual quality of the roast. And you also have the potential for over extraction of of the bean, and then you get weird Rick bad like coffee. Acrid and green peppery, and yeah, not good. Yeah, and I mean <laughs> you you wouldn't you wouldn't boil your your coffee for you know thirty minutes. So why would you do it right. in a beer? <laughs> Uh, but right. I, and and I think there's just a lot of different myths about yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm and I'm sure I'm sure it'll turn out fine. Uh, but I think I think you might get oh, yeah. better results, uh, adding it in secondary. Um, same thing with the chocolate and cocoa. I don't know if you need to. I would I would let it sit on those for a while. But a, a lot of this stuff, when you boil, you boil off all of those flavors that you want. Especially the aromatics. Yep. You're gonna boil off all those immediately. 
And I mean that kind Almost of that that kind of brings us into uh, this week's discussion, which uh, going along with our recipe creation, this is creating recipes with adjuncts and specialty ingredients. So these are your non-standard uh, ingredients, anything that's not you know the yeast, malt, hops, water, hops and water. Yep. So uh, I just have a couple of questions here. So Eric, what are uh, like adjuncts? Like, how would you define them? Besides the very broad well, you, stroke, you pretty much you pretty much just did. But um, adjuncts are um, generally anything that you're going to add um, as in like a third party spice. Think of it like that, or flavoring agent. Um, it can be fruit. It can be cocoa nibs. It can be coffee. It can be spices, herbs. I mean, you name it. I mean, look at Dogfish Head. There's the <laughs> brewery that comes to mind when you think adjunct brewery. Um, they, they've tried everything. They've even used spit in this ancient form of oh, corn. Oh, man. That was the worst episode I, mean, I watched. Uh, it was tough to watch. I mean, they, they used pumpkin. They've used, literally, Dogfish had used pretty much everything you can think of. Uh, peppers. I mean, Google it. If you think it might exist, it probably does in a beer. Yeah. So, well, and if it, if it hasn't been used in a beer yet, be the first. As long as you think it might work. I should say, can be a form of a malt. Yeah. Like, uh, wheat, flaked, flaked oats, uh, flaked corn. Non-fermentable um, malt. Well, I guess there's Pretty still much your non-fermentable ones that add body and um, different um, sugars that you might want for, like, uh, souring yeast over time. Yep. Or right. even, I mean, uh, bumping ABV, like candy sugar and stuff like that. And... Yeah. Good, good call. Good call. Absolutely. All right, and so I, I, I think that's really loose. Why why would we want to use these in in homebrew recipes or beer recipes? Uh, as somebody a stout lover, um, you can only get so much chocolate flavor from um, chocolate malt. Uh, sometimes you've got to use the real thing. Um, same with coffee. There's coffee kilned malt. Well, it's not the same as using your favorite local roastery. Um, well, day or day of ground beans in your beer for packaging. Um, me, there's actually one that I I have a question for you, Casey. At uh-huh. the end of this, is how to use maple syrup in packaging, or so it doesn't get fermented out and no flavors there. So that's that's I have a beer that I really want to make that's an imperial stout with maple syrup, but I actually ten years of experience. Um, don't know how to get maple syrup to pop like a, a plate of pancakes. Hmm. I have I have sense. a couple of ideas, but uh, well, we'll have to debunk them and try them. And yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about those uh, when, when we get a little bit further in here. Um, so yeah, I guess where so we're we're designing a recipe and we found these uh, these flavors that we that we really want. Like let's say we really want to add fruit. Where should we add these fruit? Add the fruit. How much fruit should we add? And there's there's a few it's different school a, of I thoughts think, on this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can. A lot of people think you can add fruit at boil out. I personally, or flame out. I'm really not a fan of adding it any time before fermentation, because all those sugars just get eaten alive by your your primary um, fermentation and leaves you with a little you know, very little aromatics and very little flavoring and a big ABV bomb that you didn't account for. Uh, but I think the best place to use like fruit, for example, is uh, secondary. 
um, post-secondary fermentation. So this is post-transferring off your yeast cake. Um, and it, I think it also depends. Are you doing a clean beer or are you doing a, um, a wild beer with Brett and lacto and all that stuff? I think because you'll have some, ex like you can add fruit and let it sit on fruit for two years. I mean, yeah, but at some I've point it, you're, you're losing like the fruit character. I feel like the majority of the fruit character is going to be gone within a week. Uh, you have maybe a uh, week to get the majority of that. Out. Otherwise, I don't it's just know. there's some really complex sugars in there that, um, and that's why, that's why I brought up wild versus, uh, just Saccharomyces. If you're just using it for like a, a watermelon wheat ale or like, a um, help me here. Uh, uh, another you, fruit beer that everyone like, does. Oh, you could do the the pumpkin peach from <laughs> the pumpkin peach or the 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 raspberry um, Belgian single. Like yeah, the founders. The uh, the the strawberry yeah. chocolate porters. The. Um, I think with that said, yeah, you're gonna get it. You're gonna lose a lot of that stuff within a week or two weeks. I think you're right. Have you found? But, yeah, uh, I think. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, uh, have you found that certain fruits work better than others? Um, yes. Uh, I've done limited fruit, uh, actually. I, I uh, haven't I've done, done a whole lot with, either. I've done a couple sours with peaches and nectarines, and uh, you you actually want to use a puree, like a high-quality puree, or you want to cut your own fruit, depit your own fruit, and then you actually want to freeze it to break down those cell walls. And then you add it to your secondary, post-secondary fermentation. Okay. That's the best examples I've had with like a, a, a pit fruit. Um, strawberries, I've done a strawberry beer. I, I, I think strawberries is the most difficult to get an actual natural strawberry flavor out of it. I don't know. So much Watermelon's pretty brutal. Watermelon's really brutal, and that's where you kind of have to use one of those little vials, those little extract vials I, for watermelon. No, I I don't like those. Yeah, um, it works. <laughs> it, yeah, but you get you get like an artificial watermelon flavor. I uh, when I do oh, my water totally. when I do my watermelon wheat, um, for every two and a half gallons, I I uh, or no for what's what was it? I don't know. I I think it was I added a gallon. For every five gallons, I added a gallon of fresh squeezed watermelon juice. And yeah, I was just gonna say you could also puree it in your own like fruit blender, puree an entire watermelon and add that to secondary. I bet you'd have fantastic results. Yeah, uh, well, I, I I didn't I couldn't fit like what I did is I spent an afternoon outside because I was brewing, and so while I was brewing, I took a potato masher and a cheesecloth, and oh, I just started mashing oh, no. a watermelon. <laughs> That sounds like a fun, drunken experience. It was awesome. I was covered in sticky watermelon goo all day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you're talking about fruit. Uh, blueberries are really easy to use. You just chuck them in, grape, you know. Maybe I always shoot for a pound to three pounds of fruit per gallon, depending on what kind of character you want. And, I mean, it's, that's why it's home brewing. You can always experiment. And if you're not getting the taste you wanted – Add more. What about uh, like spices and cocoa and stuff like that? Where like where um, are we adding those? I've always added cocoa nibs again. Um, 
right after primary fermentation or in secondary for long-term aging. Um, I, I did a coffee mild ale once. And at first, this is where I steeped beans in the keg and coffee. Funny that we, we read that question. Um, coffee, if you're using it in the beans, the bean form, no more than 24 hours on that beer <laughs> because those oils start to get there and they, it gets funky and weird. I, I dumped that beer. Actually, that was one of the ones I dumped after six, seven months. It was just think of your like super oily full jersey growth yeah was it kind of like slick and stuff too and it almost went sour oh it it had like it like it had oxidized itself um from all the different components and the oils and the coffee don't know but uh yeah i think i think uh it it all depends on style okay you're not gonna make a chocolate ipa (laughs) but uh well Maybe I a chocolate black IPA. <laughs> you could do a you could do a chocolate orange IPA. I wouldn't put that past anybody. That would uh, be but terrible. Yeah. Sounds awful. I I'd go um, post secondary fermentation would be where I secondary. Okay. Um, I I know with spices, I'm a big fan of like if I'm gonna add pepper to something, like doing like a jalapeno blonde or something. I like to make like a tincture uh, and add it. Like, measure it out to figure out exactly where I want it. Um, some people like to throw right. it in secondary and kind of guess. And, I mean, that works, too. All for that. Um, I just like a little bit more control when I can get it. Packaging, too. Like, if you, like, on packaging day, if you're kegging or bottling, you know, sometimes a lot of people will brew excess to account for blending um, and, like, experimenting between this ratio of this to this over time. It, I mean, you can do it that way too where you create like a oh man words are not finding me today but you know what i mean like yeah just kind of your own concoction (laughs) before you do it on a massive scale oh well i mean that that kind of brings us into my next my next question here what if we uh add too much or too little of a certain ingredient is there any way to come back from that uh, stylistically speaking, I think it is dependent upon if you chose a Blondale or if you chose something like a barley wine or stout with a lot more uh, complexity and character. Uh, using too much is usually really difficult to go and fix. Because it's not, I mean, in my mind, a quick rebrew of a gallon of the same recipe and then topping it off, if you have that ability to kind of dilute it and make it back to where it was, but uh, using too little, um, you you can always add more, uh, and you can always add it incrementally. Just be careful that you're not every time you open that that uh, bung that you're not, you know, flushing it with uh, oxygen, just recapping it. Make sure you're using your CO2 properly to flush that oxygen out of there, because then, I mean, every time you open that, you're risking the shelf life of that beer. You're risking a lot of things just to keep tinkering, if you will. Yeah. You almost have to brew a batch, plan it, and then if you did too much, well, no real going back. And if you did too little, you could do it once. And if you're still not happy, I would just package it and rebrew it and up it next time. Yeah. So when you're when oh, you're designing like, these, sour beer. yeah. So when you when you're initially designing these recipes, err on the side of caution. Like if you think do research, you, 
Yeah. Well, and and, and if, but be careful in the research that you're doing. Um, I've seen I've seen a lot of a lot of uh, like adjunct recipes where they're ca- where they're calling for just massive amounts of fruit or cocoa or uh, coriander or whatever. It's just ridiculous amounts. Right, and, and I think that's within the context of the site you're looking at. Too, yeah, but I mean, look at my goes. We could have brined a nice ribeye with that. Oh sucker. man, that I read thing is online brutal. somewhere to use a lot of salt. I happen to like it more than others, but yeah. So don't believe everything you read on the internet. (laughs) Miles brought that in. That was one of the first beers I think we tried on this show, and he brought that in. I remember the reaction. (laughs) It was was a saltwater goza. I liked it. (laughs) Which is, I mean, and and that's honestly what it comes down to. To be fair to that beer... It was exactly, um, I don't know, that was uh, really close to a commercial example that I had tried to imitate. Okay. They used a lot of salt, too. But, yeah, I'll admit it. I used too much. Three ounces. And that doesn't seem like a lot. It really doesn't. No, but it was monumentally salty. (laughs) What she said. (laughs) All right. Uh, well, I think that, that kind of uh, – well, I guess are there – what styles lend themselves to using a specialty ingredients more than others? Like we talked about how an IPA wouldn't work the greatest. Right. I think your for, – for fruits, um, your beers that typically have uh, a lighter, complex malt bill, so your blonde ales, your, uh, your, your base sour ales basically – you know, um, you can get, and there really isn't, I don't know about UKC, other than like a wheat beer, there really aren't too many um, clean beer examples that I think putting fruit in is a good idea. I bet you could put, unless, you know, I bet you could do it with a Kolsch. I think a Kolsch might lend itself to fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blonde ale, Kolsch. Yeah, yeah. Bastard has generalized term. Yeah, but I think, you know, a wit beer is always good with, you know, orange or some mm-hmm. sort of. But uh, I think when you start getting into the coffee and the chocolates and um, uh, especially spice character, you know, you think about all these holiday seasoned beers and pumpkin ales. I think the larger your malt bill and drift becomes more complex is when you want to maybe start having that base foundational recipe to kind of spice it up with these extra beautiful things. Yeah, well, it, they, they help accent the flavors that are already there. Absolutely. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna go throw uh, four ounces of cold pressed coffee and a pound of cocoa nibs in a blonde ale. Well, now I'm I mean, not. Good, <laughs> <Could, laughs> but uh, but you probably shouldn't. You know what I'm saying? That's imperial stout uh, type of beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. I don't know. I think it's all. I think it's all. You know, it's all per the brewer too. I mean, if you have an idea, don't ever, like, let limitations hold you back. I mean, some of the best beers, like, I had a, an, an IPA that had, was brewed with um, oh, a certain type of lime leaf. It was a white IPA with lime leaf, and they used a certain type of hop that accentuated, like, a lime-like flavor. Super good. I want to say it was Badger Hill Brewing Company hmm. in Shakopee. I don't recall, though, but, yeah, I mean... Might as well give it a go. Try it once. And, I mean, as long as you like That's the beer. Home brew, right? Yeah. 
and as long as you like the beer, or more importantly, you know, your friends drink all your beer, uh, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. I think well, so. Well, is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up here? I think we should shoot for a session next week where we maybe like Thursday night or Thursday afternoon try to taste our uh, beer and rip it apart with Miles. And, yeah, uh, that that could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um so yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll do a special edition next week uh of yeah, cool. Homebrew Bound where we rip a, where we just tear that one a new one. Yeah. I think that's a good idea, man. All right. Well, I'm going... Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to you. <laughs> no, I I don't. Well, I I was thinking about your your maple uh your maple syrup issue. Um and and Maybe like, you know how like you know those like maple candies. They have more of a yeah. concentrated maple flavor than the syrup itself, and so maybe yeah. add some of that to. Uh, I probably at at second or well, at packaging I would, but the problem is like. What would you think of this? Because it's a so the base beer is an imperial stout brewed with coffee. Okay. Aged on aged in a barrel or on oak. Uh, and then at packaging, my thought was getting some grade B maple, food grade B, grade B maple syrup from like a local guy. Uh-huh. And, and then my thought was after everything's done, after the coffee's added, prime the keg with maple syrup and then force carve it so it's done. Yep. Stop fermentation somehow and then bottle it. Yeah, well, and that, that was that was that was my bottle, other thing. The goal would be to bottle and wax seal it. You know, yeah, well, you could you could you could, you could uh, you could bottle and pasteurize. Hmm. Kind of like uh, when you're back yeah. sweetening ciders. I think that's a good idea. I think we should brew that and make that happen. Yeah, the the only thing that'll be kind of a pain in the ass is the pasteurization process, but it depends on how big of a batch. I don't even know how to do that. Uh, you, yeah, well, there, there's a few tutorials. Basically, you bring a pot of water up to, uh, it's like 180 degrees or something, and then you you put the you put the bottles in there for 10 minutes, take them out, and it kills all the yeast and everything. Interesting. Yeah, you got to be we'll careful though, because some yeah, of them. We'll have to, well, yeah, yeah. Touch topic on you know pasteurization of your own homebrew versus not. Yeah, for sure. That might be something. A lot of breweries don't do it anymore. That's because it's Rush not. Rush River does, though. Oh, Up speaking there, of no. Rush River, did you see that they're opening their tap room next week? No, what day? Uh, Friday, Saturday, or the first days that it's open. Oh, wow, day thirty-three. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll have to check it out off air and uh, ask you about it. Yeah, for sure. Because it's your birthday next weekend, right? It sure is. Okay, well, that's awesome. All right, uh, I'm going to play some outro music, thanks wrap for up. Having me on the show. Yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And if you'd like to support us, head on over to patreon.com slash blindnewsstudios. Uh, Patreon is like a recurring tip jar where you can give us, you know, a buck or two a month, and we give you something in return, and you're helping us keep the lights on here. Uh, or if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, head over, head on over to BlindNinjaStudios.com and click on the Amazon link at the bottom of the homepage. Do your regular Amazon shopping, and Amazon gives us a little bit of a kickback. Helps us out. Doesn't take you a whole lot of time. Everybody wins. 
Uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or you want to you know, get in touch with us so we can try your beer, uh, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindnewstudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace.